and dying. But unlike other illnesses that this city had experienced over the centuries of its history, this outbreak didn't burn itself out or slow down. It got worse. People dropped dead in the streets or died in their houses, and no one knew they had died because there was no one left alive to notice. Beautiful public spaces that in mid-January had been places to meet friends and have a conversation were open, stinking mass graves by March. Practically overnight, Florence had gone from being a jewel of a city to a charnel house. And as we'll see over the course of the next 24 lectures, the experience of Florence was going to be far from unique during the years the Black Death swept through the medieval world. I must admit that as I was writing these lectures, I did at times find myself overwhelmed by the horrors of the plague, especially when it came to reading first-person accounts and letters, some of which we'll explore later in this course. But as I'm sure every one of you listening and watching right now feels, it is worth it, and indeed it's critical, that we study the past, including the parts that make us uncomfortable or depressed, so that we can better understand our present and prepare for the future. As I have said on numerous occasions, one thing I love about studying the Middle Ages is that it often feels utterly foreign and alien. And then in the next moment, a character in a medieval story or the writer of a chronicle of the Middle Ages says or does something that is completely recognizable and familiar. And it reminds me that people then and people now are more alike than not, even if our settings or our contexts then and now are radically different. But when it comes to the Black Death, it often becomes difficult to see those connections and similarities because the horror of that experience was unlike anything that had ever occurred in living memory. And people's reactions were understandably coming from a place of sheer terror and despair. Consider this eyewitness account of Giovanni Boccaccio, writer of the Decameron, who described how every morning in the towns and cities of Italy, the corpses of those who had died in the night would be placed out into the street. And eventually, funeral beers, sometimes nothing more than a rough board, would go through the town to collect them. Quote, it was by no means rare for more than one of these beers to be seen with two or three bodies upon it at a time. Many were seen to contain a husband and wife, two or three brothers and sisters, a father and son, and times without number, it happened that two priests would be on their way to bury someone, only to find bearers carrying three or four additional beers that would fall in behind them. Such was the multitude of corpses that there was not sufficient consecrated ground for them to be buried in. So when all the graves were full, huge trenches were excavated in the churchyards, into which new arrivals were placed in their hundreds, stowed tier upon tier like ship's cargo, each layer of corpses being covered over with a thin layer of soil till the trench was filled to the top." End quote. To many, it seemed as if the end of the world was surely at hand. Indeed, one chronicler leaving a blank space at the end of his history noted that he did so in case anyone should be left alive who might wish to make a record of events that had transpired. It's clear that leaving this space was a desperate, defiant action of optimism because it didn't seem likely that anyone would survive. 
an event with such staggering effects is clearly worthy of greater understanding. And in this and the next 23 lectures, we're going to try and do just that. So let's get to it, the Black Death. Okay, right off the bat here, let's deal with two common misconceptions. First of all, it is not called the Black Death because parts of the bodies of people who were infected turned black. Most people who have a passing knowledge on the subject know that the plague was often called the bubonic plague because in one form it produced large lumps or buboes around the lymph nodes, so at the groin or armpit. And people seem to have assumed that the term black death refers to the color of those buboes. Nope. The term black death is used to suggest the horror of the epidemic, not the color of its symptoms. It was a dark black terrifying time. But here's another